Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. All right, Christmas time. I'm so excited. We're starting a series today called uh, The Christmas Story, right? The story of Christmas. See, I don't know what I'm doing. The story of Christmas, um, and it's the greatest story ever told. I I really believe this. And every year, I I try to do something to have a fresh perspective on Christmas because Christmas can get old. Can we be honest? Like, sometimes we're like, all right, get it. Jesus was born. He got put in a stable, in a manger, whatever. He got wrapped in clothes, shepherds and camels and donkeys and wise men and like all the stuff, right? Like little Mary's pregnant, you know, going on a donkey. Can you imagine, have you ever been on a road trip with your pregnant wife in a car? Can you imagine doing this on a donkey? Like, I mean, my word. They get to Bethlehem. There's no room anywhere, which we make it sound like that's pretty common because the inns were just like Airbnbs. It was just an extra room people had above their house. It wasn't like there wasn't hotels back then, you know, so it, it wasn't that uncommon for people to live in a stable or not live, but like visit and have to stay somewhere else. Like that was pretty common. These are they weren't used to this kind of technology. So sleeping outside wasn't that big of a deal, you know, so we, we, it's just interesting. To th- One thing that I always think about when it comes to the Christmas story is we assume that baby Jesus was born at night, right? He was announced at night to the shepherds, but we don't know. He was born that day at some point. He could have been born in, at 11 a.m. We don't know. It could have been pure daylight outside. I have no idea uh, when Jesus was born. But like, I like to just do things to, to get me in the Christmas spirit a little bit. And so this series is going to be some freshness of the Christmas story that I found this year that I just want to share with you guys. So uh, that's why we're doing, we're walking through this story. I'm so, so excited about it. But here's one thing I think we all have in common. We like the big. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, we like big. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, we like the big overstuffed chair. You know, like, that's the one you want to cozy up on and read a book. We, we like the, the big car so that we got the room. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You got that big, I want to spread out, and I got a long torso, so I can't be in a little car. I need some, like, headroom. You know, I need something. I need a big car. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like... <laughs> You want, the, you want the big Christmas presents, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to go to the restaurant. How many of you get frustrated when you go to restaurants and the portions aren't big enough? You know, you're like, come on, what are you, I'm paying $80 and I'm getting a bite? What are you talking about? I want the big portions. Like, don't, don't, get, don't come at me with a little spoon, a bite or something, right? Like, I want a big portion. Like, you, we want a bigger house. Some of man, we start having these kids and all of a sudden I'm like, my house feels small. I need a, I need a bigger house, right? Like, we, we want to land that big account by the end of the year. You want to get that big account landed by the end of the year. Y'all know what I'm saying? And, and we, want to, we don't want to go on the little cruise ships. I want to go on a big cruise ship. You know, like I want to go on the new monster that just came out on the World Caribbean. I want to be on that thing. You know, we want big. When it comes to Christmas, 
We love big. Now, I love, now, don't get me started. I want a big Christmas dinner. I want to smoke a big piece of meat on Christmas, a prime rib. I want to eat something big, right? Like, I want to go to a good, I want to go to a big Christmas party where I can talk. Now, introverts are like, Lord, no, please. But I'm like, send me, baby. I want to, I want to, I want to talk to everybody, right? I want, the, I want more gifts. Man, we got to get the bigger gifts, right? We're, we're saving the biggest gift for last. Did y'all ever do that when you were growing up? Like, you got to save the biggest, and typically it's disappointing. It's like, we've worked it up, right? But I want to go see the biggest light display. I'm going to Gaylord, and I'm going to look at the lights. Or I'm going to go drive around like my kids did with their grandparents last night. Go find the, the biggest light displays. I want... The biggest inflatable in the neighborhood in my yard. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I want, I don't care what it is. We don't even have one, but I want it. I want the biggest one. There's one down the street from us. It's got like a 15 foot tall inflatable out there. I'm not going to beat him this year. And that's okay. I, I, I want the big Christmas bonus at work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, come on. And, and sometimes when things are tight, you don't get that bonus. We all want the big, right? And here in a couple weeks... The day after Christmas, I'm trying to talk Stephanie into letting us go on Christmas Day, but we're going to drive down to Florida, spend some time with her parents, and you know where we're going to stop on the way? Bucky's, baby. Why do I like Bucky's? Because it's big. And we got all the gas pumps we could ever want. I got, it's huge on the inside, right? It's big. We all like the big. I actually bought a big Bucky's cup with a big handle and a big old straw this week. Come on now. I, I, I like big. What can I say? And let me tell you this, God is a God of big plans. I don't know if you know that, but God has big plans for you. God's plans for you are not small. They're big. God wants big things for you. He wants to do big things through you. He wants to do big things in your life. He wants to do big things in your marriage. He wants to do big things in your kids. God is a God of big. God does big stuff all the time. We look at this. Look at these people right here. We got Noah. Noah, God sent a what? A big flood. And so what did God tell Moses or uh, Noah to build? A big boat. Y'all know what I'm saying? An ark. So God's, okay, Abraham. God started a big, big family known as the, the Jewish people now. It all started through Abraham. Then we got Moses. Moses led a big number of people out of Israel, and then God did a really big miracle and parted the Red Sea. That was a pretty big deal, right? Like, we look at Elijah. Elijah called a big fireball down from heaven and scorched up this altar, and then he defeated a big group of people that were out to get him right after that. Then we look at David. David killed a big old giant. God is a God of big. There's a lot of big that God wants to do. God And God wants to do these big things in your life. In fact, it tells us this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, listen to this, infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. So that means, I don't know about you, I have a big imagination. I can think big, man. I, I'll tell you right now, I can think big. And I think God will look at our big and go, oh, that's nothing. I can do much bigger than that. That's what this verse is telling us. One of the big things for me, if I could just be vulnerable, there's an old Kmart building that Dollar General bought down off the interstate in Gulletsville. That's going to be Oasis Church one day. I'm looking at that. I, I pray over that thing. Every time I drive by it, sometimes I'll go in the parking lot, I'll lay hands on that building. They think I'm crazy over there. But hey, I got big plans. And, and God looks at that big plan and goes, oh, Clint. I can do much bigger than that. God is a God of big. And then we see the Bible talk about Christmas. 
and it's big. All right, it says this, Isaiah chapter nine, it says, for unto us, a child is born, a son is given to us. Now, before we read the rest of this, they didn't know that this was talking about Jesus. We know that now. But they had some pretty big problems. Israel's facing some big problems. They were, uh, they were getting taken captive. Uh, everything was taken from them. And they really needed some big help. They had a big problem. They needed some big help. And God says, oh, you want, uh, watch. Here's what I'm going to do. And he writes this. He says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. This is God's answer to this big problem. It says, the government will rest on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government, this, this help I'm going to send, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from his throne and of his ancestor David for all eternity. It's never going to end. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. God was ready to do something big. He said, hey, you got a big problem? Something big is coming. God was going to do something big. We all want the big. We all want the big. And God wants to do the big through us. God wants to do the big through us. But I find myself... And I bet you do too, if you're honest, getting really frustrated. I know I want big. And I know God wants to do big, but I find myself getting frustrated. I find myself getting frustrated because I do want God to use me to do big things. And I, I really, but I don't really like how big things start. I get frustrated. I know God wants to do big things. I want to do, I want to partner with God and do big things for his kingdom. But I often get frustrated because I don't like how big things start. So today I want to tell us today's title of the message is this, where all big things start, where all big things start. All right, here we're going to dive in. So Stephanie's parents, they used to have a farm. All right, so they have a weird story uh, with, with Stephanie's dad's like career. He was an executive at Lifeway for years and he retired early and I remember him coming home and he's like hey you know I'm retired and and I was like what are you gonna do and he was like I don't know and so I'm thinking like pretty natural for someone uh, with his background to go into some consulting he was certainly doing some stuff like that but he goes a couple weeks later he goes I think I'm gonna start a farm and I was like start a farm what are you crazy? Like, are you serious right now? So they started a farm and we lived in Florida for most of this farm's life. And we would go, we would come from Florida up to Tennessee. We'd stay at their farm. And it was awesome because when we would come home, we would have pounds of fresh meat, chicken and pork from their farm. We'd, they come back, we come back with 12 dozen eggs, easy. And the cool thing about eggs, uh, if you don't know this about fresh eggs, if you don't wash them after you get them out of the coop, they'll stay it on your countertop for months. Like you, they don't go bad. And so we take these, uh, all these cartons of egg home. We drive uh, hours and hours back to Tennessee. We get home and we put some out on the counter, putting some up on top of the fridge. I mean, we had, we were coming out of our ears, but they're so good. And so we, you know, course of time goes on and all of a sudden we're eating these eggs. It's great. And then we run out of eggs and it's, I'm sad because now we got to go buy eggs again and all this stuff. And so we end up going through life and all of a sudden I walk in the kitchen one day and I'm like, something, something smells off, you know, just something smells off. Y'all know when you've, you hit that invisible wall, it's like getting punched in the face. 
And I was like, huh, that's weird. And so I'm like, I'm a man, you know, Stephanie's got the bloodhound nose and I'm like, I open the fridge. I'm like, nothing looks weird. All right, whatever. I shut it, move on. I'm like, it's probably in the trash. One, I take the trash out. It won't smell anymore. Take the trash out, come back. It still smells a little bit. And so next day, come back, smells a little worse. Can't find it. Can't find what it is. And third day, I'm like, Steph, do you smell that? You know, like, and then you're getting your head like, do, is it me? Do I smell bad? And I'm, I'm, I'm going around and finally Steph gets on the prowl empties out the entire freezer, the entire fridge, is wiping up every cleaning it all. We shut it and we're like, surely to God, there's something in there. Was, And so we take everything out. We shut the door. Next day, come back. It smells. The whole house smells now. And I'm like, what is the smell? I cannot figure it out. And finally, I'm in the kitchen and I look up. And there's a carton of eggs up there that I've forgotten about for a long time. And it's been tucked behind some cereal boxes or something. And I reach in, open it, and it was like, whoa, that's it. You know, bingo, we got it. And we took it out. Now, it's amazing how something so small, a little egg, right? Like eggs are not big. They're, they're really tiny. It's, it's amazing how big of an impact that little egg had on our house. And it took time, right? But after a while, that little small thing, I'm telling you, that thing smelled, made the whole house smell terrible. And it brings us to our first point today. Where do all big things start? Big things always start small, Big things always start small. And we get frustrated by this, don't we? We get frustrated by this idea because we don't like the small. We want the big. And we get frustrated, but in the kingdom of God, the way the kingdom of God works is that big things that God wants to do in your life, in your marriage, with your kids, at your job, in your dreams that God's put in your hearts, they might be big, but they always start small. But if you want God to use you to do the big, you have to learn how to embrace the small. Right? Like, I've had to learn this as I've been working out, trying to lose weight, doing this stuff, is I've heard the phrase, excuse me if this is crass to you, embrace the suck. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, this is miserable. My legs are on fire right now, but that's why I'm here. I'm going to embrace it. You know, like, I'll oh, bring it on, baby. You know, but that, that's how it is. You, you have to learn. If you want to, God to use you, you have to embrace the small. You have to learn to go, hey, th- th- there's value in the small. You know, when we started Oasis Church, uh, we wanted a big church launch. Oh, man, we were like, we're going to have 500 people there on the first day. Come on now, that's what we're going to do. COVID hits. <laughs> that didn't happen. Let me tell you right now, that did not happen. And, and we came from a church that we moved from that church to this church, and 40,000, 50,000 people go to this church every weekend. And we're at one of the campuses. That's all we knew was big. And we were longing for that big. And that longing for the big almost ended our ministry because it left us so frustrated and so blinded and it really jaded us. Why? Because we were focused on the big without being willing to embrace the small and to do what God wanted us to do. Remember a second ago, we talked about these people in the Bible, right? God using people to do big things. I'm going to put that back up. Noah, God sent a big flood and Noah built a big boat to get out of that flood But it started with a single nail and a hammer and one man, by the way, he was the only righteous man in the world. So that big thing started with one man, with one hammer, one nail. 
And look what God did. Come on, we look at Abraham. God started a big family through Abraham. But it all started with one man who heard the voice of God. God told him to move to an unknown land. And he decided to take that first one little step of obedience and to do what God had. And look what happened. We look at Moses. Moses leads these people out of Egypt. God uses them in a big way, doing big miracles, sparting the Red Sea, parting the Jordan River, uh, providing manna, uh, quails. Some of y'all don't even know this story. God literally, for miles outside of their camp, was like three feet deep of quail meat that they could go eat. God provided that for them. God did some big things. It all started with one little encounter with God. On one day where Moses was doing his mundane, average, everyday job of watching sheep. He had one encounter with God, and everything changed. We look at Elijah. Big fireball down from heaven. It started with one prayer. Little prayer. That's like two sentences in the Bible of Elijah going, God, show yourself to these people. Boom. And then look what happens. Then we look at David. He kills a big giant. He's anointed king. But I don't know if you remember this about David. His story did not start that way. In fact, Samuel came to anoint David as the king of Israel. And David had all these brothers. Even David's father didn't think that he was significant enough to be brought before Samuel to be anointed. And God kept telling Samuel, it's not that brother. Nope, it's not that brother. It's not that. Do you have another brother, Samuel says? And, 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 and David's dad's like, oh, David, right. He's out. He's just the young one. You want me to? And so he brings him out. This little guy, this, the little brother, and God anoints him king, and he's able to defeat the giant with just one stone. We all want the big, but we have to understand that big always starts small. In God's kingdom, big always starts small, and this is the reason it's frustrating, is because many of you have big problems, and I don't want to... I don't want to go over that lightly. Many of you are facing things that you don't know how you're going to get out of it. I'm trying to get my life back on track. Like I've really made a mess of my life. And I need to get this thing back on the right track or it's going to ruin my life. It's already starting to ruin my life. And maybe you came here today looking for a big solution to that big problem. And I just want to tell you, embrace the small. We have to learn how to embrace the small. God is going to do something big in your life, but he's going to give you something small before it can turn big. So the first thing we got to do is we have to understand that big things start small. The second thing is this, small things, the small things that God gives us require big commitment. So if you want something big to happen in your life, God's going to give you something small, and that small thing is going to require big commitment from you. You know, there's a study that was done in Germany called the forgetting curve, and I want you guys to understand this. I want you to get this. The forgetting curve said that if you receive a truth, so if you receive something like, say, right now, as you're sitting here in church, and I'm telling you something, and if you receive truth, but you don't put it into practice, you'll lose that truth after six days. So if, you, if you're learning something right now, but you leave here and you don't put it into practice, you will have already lost it before next Sunday even starts. 
You know, we, we have this idea uh, that, that like, man, I'm just going to hear this and then I'm going to be good. No, no, no. You have to hear this and you have to put stuff in practice. Small things require us to put them into practice over time. That's what commitment is. Listen to how Jesus said it. He said it this way. Matthew chapter 17, verse, tw- uh, uh, verse 14. It says, he replied, because you have so little faith. The, the, the disciples are trying to do something that Jesus could easily do. And they said, why couldn't we do that? He said, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. If you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, you can do anything. Like you can tell this mountain to move and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for, for you. Jesus is trying to show them the contrast between the biggest thing that they didn't have microscopes and that kind of stuff. Like he, he was trying to tell them the biggest thing that you can see a mountain versus the smallest thing that you could see was, you know, a grain of sand or a mustard seed, which is about the same size. Like he was trying to use what he has. And he's saying, he's trying to tell them you have no faith. You have your own ability, you have your own intellect, but you don't understand how the kingdom of God works. And sometimes, listen to me, faith looks like you doing the small things correctly over time and trusting God with the process. Oh, come on, some of y'all missed that. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes faith looks like staying committed to the small things over time so that God can do the big thing in your life. Some of us, we might be praying for a miracle and we might be believing God for a miracle, okay? And there are certainly times in the Bible that God does something like that. Most of the time in the Bible, though, it is about us trusting God in the process and going, God, I don't understand how you're going to do it, but I feel you leading me here. I'm going to go there even if it doesn't make sense. And then I'm going to take the next step. And, And it's staying consistent over time. Why? Because small things require a big commitment from you. Maybe you're in here and you're going through a recovery process and you're trying to, man, get your life right, kick an addiction, a bad habit, whatever it is. Hey, guess what? It's going to start by deciding that one day I'm going to do this for one day. I I don't know what I can do in the next week. I'm going to do this for one day. You can do almost anything for a day. All right. Well, what happens when you stack on another day? You wake up the next morning. All right, I just got to do this one day. What happens when you stack that up over time? Next thing you know, you got 365 days under your belt. Why? Because you decided to stay committed to the small things over time. And if you don't understand how the world works and how powerful the kingdom of God is, then you'll miss the big thing that God wants to do for you. We get so focused on Jesus was telling them this in this this passage. He's saying there's so much more power available to you. All you need is to do the small thing. Do the small thing with big commitment. I've laid it out. It's available to you, but it's up to you to receive it. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to do the big. Big things always start small. Those small things are going to require a big commitment from you. You're not going to want to do them. You're not going to feel like doing them. But guess what? That's how God's kingdom works. He wants you to do it that way. And so how do we do that? All right. How do we do that? How do we partner with God on his process? All right, I'm, this is just on a spiritual level right here, okay? I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I am a pastor. I can tell you how to do this spiritually. And listen, I'm going to tell you these, they don't sound sexy. They're not like, 
super revolutionary. I didn't reinvent the wheel here. This is so simple, but I'm telling you, if you commit to doing these things over time and you don't see a drastic increase in your life and your spiritual life, I'll change churches with you because I, I don't know what I'm talking about at that point. I'm confident this is going to work. Here, here's one thing you do. Read your Bible every day. Read five minutes every day. Just read it. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot. Well, five minutes every day of the year adds up to a lot of time. More time than, uh, than something else, you know, and, and just, just read your Bible every day. Pray consistently. How about that? Just pray every day. Consistently, every day. Lord, I need you today. Would you just use me? Open my eyes to what you want me to see. Help me do your work today. That took 15 seconds, five seconds maybe. Pray consistently. Serve regularly. Come on, get outside yourself. Well, I don't know. I don't like kids. It's so easy to serve in there, by the way. I just want to tell you right now, it really is easy. You're like their hero in there. It's awesome. And we do all the hard work for you. You just need to show up and serve and love on these kids. Maybe, uh, I love Valerie just stepped in and started helping make coffee out here. If you like the coffee, you need to be thanking Valerie and you need to be thanking Sam and Mary Jane, wherever they are, because they keep you caffeinated every single week. That's how they come in and serve. Come on, don't y'all like the coffee every week? Come on, I'll quit buying it. I'm joking. <laughs> Join a small group, dot, 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 and actually go to it. So join it and go. Well, I don't know if it's for me. Really? You, how's life going on by yourself? Probably not very good. How about you get around some other people that are going to help you and actually go to it? Give generously. Come on. Man, be generous. God's blessed you. Bless some other people. Come on. Let the, be, give generously. And here, here's, I love this one. Just get to church. If those are hard, too hard for you, just get here. We'll feed you as much as we can here, all right? But I want, I want you to learn how to feed yourself, but you can just make a habit of just being in the building. Get around some people. Get in the atmosphere where God can use your life. I'm telling you, if you do these things just in your spiritual life, you're going to see God do some big things in your life. I promise you because that's how God works. God always starts small, and that small, those small things require big, big commitment. Here's the last thing. Environment is everything. The environment is everything. Listen, there's an environment. There's an environment to this faith thing. There's an environment to this spiritual life thing. You know, Jesus actually walked into a city uh, one time, and this was after, there's a chapter uh, that several of the Gospels talk about where Jesus was, this is where um, he was touched on the hem of his robe and healed the woman from bleeding. Uh, he, he resurrected um, a child that was dead that was like not near him, and he resurrected her, and he did all these crazy, and then he was casting out demons. He was doing all kinds of stuff. The next, that was all in one day. The next day, he goes to this town, and the Bible said that he couldn't do any miracles because there was so little faith in that town. There's an environment. That town didn't have the right environment. Faith is contagious. It's contagious in your home. It's contagious with your friends. But the devil will never, never tell you that. He'll never tell you that. He'll make you believe the opposite because he doesn't want your 
small thing that God's given you to grow into something big. Because he knows that if you stay committed to that thing, that small thing over time, and you put that thing in the right environment, the devil knows it's going to grow. That's why so many of you struggle with doing these things is because you've bought into this lie. And I'm telling you that if you do what God teaches, if you do what the Bible teaches, what Jesus teaches us, God will do big things in your life. He'll do big things in this church. Don't y'all want to see God do some big things in your life? Come on, let me see some heads. Let me hear something. Come on, we want to see God do big things. Well, are we willing to do the small? Are we willing to put these small things in the right environment? You have to build the environment in your life. And, and it has to be an environment that's built on God's kingdom. And those things, they're going to grow. Your business will grow if it's built on kingdom principles. Your kids, they're going to grow spiritually if your home is built on kingdom principles. Your marriage can grow. Come on, I don't care how bad your marriage is. You put that marriage in a godly environment and you start staying committed to the small things in your marriage. Watch what God will do. It'll amaze you what God will do. In your occupation, whatever it is, you get that thing in the right environment and just watch what the kingdom of God does. That's what God does. He grows these things. And I want you to hear me. I'm not asking you to be fake. Of course, there's times in your life that are hard. I know that some of you are going through some hard stuff right now. And you, you hate what's happening in your life right now. I, and I, I'm not asking you to be fake. And I appreciate when people are honest with me. It's okay to say that you're struggling and to be honest with someone. But at some point, listen to me, you have to get to a point where you can build an atmosphere, an environment that trusts God in the midst of your circumstances right now because that faith will begin to grow. So where do big things start? They always start small. And those small things require big commitment. And the environment is everything. That's where big things start. We all want God to do big things. We want God to use us to do big things. And you might not like the answer, but it starts small. Come on, it starts small. And that is what makes Christmas amazing. Listen, I'm going off the rails, but I thank the Lord speaking to me. God knows the potential of a seed planted in the right environment. Okay? That's why he uses small things like seeds. He puts it in the right environment. And you see, the Bible tells us that for everyone has sinned, okay? And that sin messed up the environment. So now we don't have a perfect environment. We have an imperfect environment, and sin messed up everything. And the Bible says, welcome to church, everybody. We've all done it, and because we've all done it, none of us can go to heaven because of the sin. Welcome, everybody. I hope you're having a great Christmas, right? But that's what the Bible teaches. That sin separates us from God. It ruined the environment for us to have a relationship with God on our own. And so God looked at this environment and said, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to do something big about this. But it's going to start small. It's going to start small. And that's why in that verse in Isaiah that we read at the beginning, 
where it talked about the government being on his shoulders, all these big, he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Like those are big things and it's never going to end. His reign is going to last forever and all these big things. But the first few words in that whole passage says, for unto us a child is born, a little baby. God saw the environment he saw the sense of hopelessness in the world that sin has caused and all the hurt and all the pain and all the messing up. And he said, I'm going to plant my seed, Jesus, which the Bible refers to Jesus as a seed. I'm putting it in that environment. And you know what Jesus did? Man, he grew up and he stayed committed and he lived the perfect sinless life that no one in this room or no one that's ever lived could ever do. He lived that life. He stayed committed to it. He put himself in the right environment and through that over the course of time, all of a sudden Jesus dies on the cross for your sin and for my sin and he paid the way for us to have a relationship with him again. God did the big thing, but it started small. It started with a baby. It started with Jesus humbling himself, leaving heaven and coming down to earth. And I don't think we'll ever understand that true humility until we get to heaven and understand what Jesus truly left to be here with us, being born not in a castle, not in a palace, not in a, a big mansion, but born in a little cave inside of a feeding trough that animals would eat out of. That's where Jesus decided to come. And I want to tell you today that if your life looks like a mess, and your life looks like it could never be repaired again, you have the perfect environment for Jesus to do something in your life. Come on, you have the perfect environment. That's the type of environment that God is looking for. That's the type of environment that God wants to plant the seed into. That's the type of environment that God's begging for. Why? Because there's a lot of growth potential in you. If you could just cultivate that seed and you can continue to water it, and, you, and if you're in here and you're broken and you don't know what to do, you feel hopeless, you feel helpless, Come on, open yourself up to God today because God's going to do big things through you, but it's going to start small. It's going to start in a little bitty church in Sumner County right now, and God's going to come meet you. And I believe God's speaking to you right now, telling you the small thing to do. And all he's asking you to do is put that thing in the right environment and do it consistently and just watch what God does. Come on, I'll invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Come on, if you're in here and uh, you've never started a relationship with Jesus, please do that today. That's what God brought you here for today. It all starts there. And here's the way God works. God, you're not going to solve your cussing problem today, okay? You might have an addiction still after you leave here, after you give your life to Jesus. Your marriage might still not look great. Uh, you're still going to have problems. But you begin to allow God to do the work to change you, and you start staying committed to this thing. You start reading that Bible. You start serving. Man, you get around some godly people in the right environment. Watch how God begins to change you. And guess what? It wasn't in your, on your own strength because you can't do it. It's in God's strength whenever we do that. And so if you're in here and you want to start that relationship with Jesus today, come on. You want to start that relationship with Jesus today, and I'm telling you, and ask him into your heart and live by his rules. If that's you today, I want you just to raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand in this place if that's you. Well, you can raise it. Don't be shy. 
All right? You can put it down. And in your heart, silently, you don't have to say this out loud. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. You can just say this. Say, dear God, I need you. I know I've messed up. And I can't do this anymore. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and to come back to life so that I could make this decision today. And in the best way I know how, I'll live for you.